Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay, I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into my message from Sunday. How's uh, the analogies and just some of the images that we uh, that we pulled from on Sunday? Uh, Sunday's sermon was all about the grind of our Christian faith and just really working out our salvation um, and just you know what it means for us to look at this practical advice from the Apostle Paul um, and and really the heart behind it. Um, and just, you know, so today we're going to be talking about some of that, but also digging into some of the nuts and bolts of what Paul actually said and why that matters for our faith. So let's get into it. Sounds good. I really enjoyed your analogy. Um, being a sports guy, this was, I was, yeah, it was perfect. Um, I loved how you talked about how there's going to be days of PRs, you know, personal records. Um, but there's also going to be days that absolutely suck. It's a podcast we can say suck. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. But just um, continuing to, for lack of better term, sports talk grind. Yeah. Uh, is hugely important. You know, I I've run two half or three half marathons in a marathon, and it's a it's a it is something that is nearly thankless because you're not doing it. You're literally doing it for yourself, especially when you're in your early thirties. I'm going to say early thirties. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm no longer there, but fine. <laughs> you're an old man. We know. Fine. Um, fine. Yeah. It just, it, I, I can relate so much of preparing for those races to, um, working on my faith where yeah you're not doing i mean in in reality you have supporters you have people who know what you're doing and people who you can lean on but ultimately the only person that's going to get you across the finish line is you yeah the only person who's going to get you the time that you want in a half marathon or a marathon is the effort that you put in now, there's a whole bunch of God-given ability that certain people can run faster than other people. But within your God-given ability, you control how well you do. Yep. In the same sense, um, you control how you interact with your faith. You control how how well you do I don't know. It's not, it's not about works, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like you absolutely are the one in charge of choosing to follow Jesus or not. Yes. When no one's looking, when no one else is around, when it's 5 a.m. and you don't want to do it, you have to make the decision to do it. And so, yeah, I really enjoy the analogy because I'm like, this is what I've been screaming or this, I wrote a sermon on this like 18 months ago. So this was perfect. Um, Good. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Good. Yeah, I don't want it to be like too sports forward because that's not everybody's world. So like, I mean, and I, and I have this, you know, I'm in this weird position where I can speak intelligently to both like sports, but also like, you know, there's marching band and there's training that you do in marching band and there's different things that you do that make yourself a better athlete and make yourself a better musician. And like, 
you know, and there are better th- there are things that we can do to make ourselves more faithful Christians to grow in our word in the in in the word to 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 just deepen those roots and to really grind it out. You know, I was uh, thinking of just you know the, I was reminiscing of uh, Paul's words to a different place in Scripture to a different church uh, to the Philippians where he writes and he he tells them to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. And like not fear in the in the scary scary part of fear, fear in that awe and reverence we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But like work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Like you are like you said, you're responsible for your level of faithfulness. And yes, there is a God-given gift of faith that God that 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 the Apostle Paul names as one of the spiritual gifts. But you know. We are we all we all have that choice to make about how we're going to spend the time that we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, I also liked, and I completely agree with um, you. You talked about how doing these things doesn't make you a Christian. Mm-hmm. Being a Christian Being makes a you want to do these things. things. Yes. And I think that is that is a common misconception so often is, oh, if I just do this and if I just do this, everything's going to be fine. And that's, that's superficial. Yep. And I just think it's so important to realize that we have to have a change of heart before any of this really makes a difference. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it's a it's a mind it's a mindset that has to shift. I mean, because like you said, it, it could just be that we view our faith as well, I'm ticking off all these boxes I'm doing, you know, Paul said 20 things, I'm doing all 20 of those things. Cool. But what difference is it making? What impact is it having on your life and on your spirit? Like, why? Why are you doing those things? Are you just doing those things to avoid hell? Are you avoid, are you doing those things to really grow in your connection with Jesus? And those are two different conversations. I I agree, um, but sometimes you feel like you just need to force yourself to check off the boxes in order to continue the journey. Yes, absolutely. There are there are days and weeks and even seasons of faith where it's like. I know God is with me. I know all of these things intellectually. I believe them in my heart, but yet, you know, sometimes and like, you know, and so, so there's merit to checking off the boxes of making sure that we're actually doing the things we know we need to do. Um, because there are times when our souls are tired and our spirits are spirits are parched and we're just like, okay, God, I don't even know what to do right now. Like mm-hmm. I've, I feel like I'm doing all these things. I'm feeling stuck in my faith. I'm feeling stagnant. Like you, you we know that heart condition when we get in with that, that feeling, when we get into that place, you know? And so that's where it is kind of handy to have a, a more practical, you know, drill of, you know, okay, well, here's a, he, he, these, these words from the apostle Paul of like, you know, these are the practical steps that you can take in order to grow in your faith. And these are, like I said, on Sunday, these are not a standard by which we judge ourselves. These are a goal to which we aspire. It's a, a, a direction towards which we strive. And so when we feel that dryness and we feel that stuck feeling, we can look at and, and say, okay, is my love sincere? 
Do I hate evil and hold on to what is good? Am I loving people with Christian love? Am I eagerly showing respect for each other? Am I working hard and not being lazy? And then we can tick the boxes and say, okay, you know, or, you know, we can, we, we can, either, we can tick those boxes and say, okay, I'm doing what I need to do. It's just a tough season. Or we can look at this list and look at the things that Paul is saying and say, okay, whoops, I've missed two or three of these along the way. This is the direction then. This is how I get my groove back for, you know, for for lack of a better term. Like it can it can be so illuminating to look at a practical list and say, okay, this is what I'm missing. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm I'm holding on to that one thing because I really, really need it. And God can't have it. Oh, wait, that doesn't sound like a real moment of authentic faith. Okay, we gotta work on that. And I love the realists as a as an engineer, like I want a practical list of things that I need to. Yep. I need the problem to fix that, that I need to fix. You know what I mean? Right. Like, totally. Yeah. I think that's every once in a while we need that, especially when reading the Bible when so much of it is um, not interpretation, but just it's heavy. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy mental lifting that has to happen when we when we really really dig into scripture and really really engage in it. Yeah, there's some there's there's some a lot of mental work that has to go into it and a lot of, you know, okay, I read this, but what does it mean? And like then then and then that leads can lead to a whole, you know, that can hold lead to a whole academic journey for some people where they have a degree in what this means allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, it's like okay, now I need to read this resource and this resource mentioned this resource, and you can you can fall down a theological rabbit hole so fast. Welcome right. to my day, but mm-hmm. you know it's fine. I'm a pastor; it's one of the parts of my job that I love, and so you know. But 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 it's for that for that purpose of moving us forward, um, and and really moving us to a point of deeper faith and stronger connection and more authentic, um, more authentic faith in Jesus Christ. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you, because I this was one that was you know, it, it, it eventually came together, but it was a tough one. Cause it's not like preaching a narrative of something is sometimes so much easier because it's like, okay, I can retell the story in modern words. And just, you know, we can look and say, this is that, and this is this, and how do we live? And now, you know, but this is all just straight up, you know, practical Paul. It's so typical Paul end of letter, nuts and bolts, rubber meets the road talking. Um, so it was, it, it was a little harder to get my head wrapped around. And so, uh, one of the things I avoided doing, I think I avoided successfully doing, um, cause I didn't want to go there during the sermon, um, you know, is like a, a, a blow by blow, um, uh, listing of these practical steps. Um, you know, one of the commentaries I read is like, don't preach a 20 point sermon on how to live a better faith. Cool. I don't think I did that. I hope what I was hoping to do was dig into the heart of why Paul was saying these things, maybe not so much digging into what Paul was saying, but really the reason behind that. But I do think that there is merit and value um, in looking at these and just, you know, evaluating our lives and evaluating our faith and maybe asking why does Paul say this is a good thing for us to do? Like, so I was wondering if maybe we could spend a little bit of time on the podcast this week, looking at some of the things that Paul said and digging into 
uh, the reason why that would lead to a deeper faith. Are there ones that stick out to you more than the others? There's ones that are really, really hard to do. <laughs> do not take, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. Oofta. I wrestle with using the good news translation sometimes, but I really like how it points that one out in 17. If someone has done you wrong, do not repay him with a wrong. Try to do what everyone considers to be good. <laughs> yeah. That one's hard. That Definitely. One hard. Yep. I shouldn't say I pride myself, but I do pride myself when this one below, uh, live peaceably with if it's possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Um, we had a project uh, at work where the construction was going to start and the farmers hadn't gotten crops out of the field yet. And and we called them last week to say, hey, they're, we're going to get started. And everyone lost their brains and started screaming. And uh, I have learned in those situations that to live peaceably with everyone, uh, you let those people scream and get it off their chest and let them sit on it for a while. And then you come back to them later and, and sit down and have a conversation with them. And everything goes much better. The last thing you should do is scream back because then things get worse. Yep. And so, yeah, when I read that, I was like, Hey, I might actually do that. Well, <laughs> but nice. like you said, it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those things where as you look through this list, you identify the things you do well and the things you don't do well. And, and you have an idea of the things that you need to work on. Then the question becomes like, why, why is living in peace? Why is that important for our faith? Like why, what, what difference does that make in our, in our lives of faith? Mm -hmm. I think it's good advice. And I'm, I'm glad that you have that experience. And I'm, I'm glad that, and cause it cause, because cooler heads do prevail. It, you know, in the same, you know, when we're looking to reach others and bring them into our faith, um, if, if people are, you know, I just think about protesters and others. Um, we're wanting them to come into our building and, and learn what we know. The last thing that we should do is start screaming back at them. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, that's not yep. living peaceably with others. Definitely. Um, yeah. Like the the like every college campus, the guy that's standing on the on the corner yelling at the kids to, because they're all sinners. You know what I mean? I'm not a Bible expert. I'm not claiming to right. be a Bible expert, but I am pretty sure Paul is telling us not to do that. When yeah, he, when definitely. He this list, yep. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That can, I mean, it also, I mean, it's, it's repaying evil with evil. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's not how the good, that's not how a good conversation starts, you know, that, and that's what, that's what evangelism really has to be. And that's what evangelism evangelism really is, is a conversation about, hey, you know, I believe this and this is, you know, and you evidence that with your life and the way that you live and more so than, you know, the things that you say and and, and snappy comebacks and, and quippy arguments. It's more about, you know, investing in, in someone's life than getting to know them and letting them have those conversations where maybe they yell at you because you believe in Jesus and they don't and they they maybe have some past church trauma, which is a real thing. And, you know, um, they, you, you can't just move right to, okay, well, let's give our lives to Jesus. You have to unpack some of that with people and say, you know, 
I'm sorry that that happened because that's a valid thing that happened in your life and I get it. But also, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know? Those those conversations are going to be hard and they're not going to be peaceful. No. You, have to, you have to interact with others in a way that it's going yep. to be, that's going to give bring them to, at ease um, with having a conversation with you because if, if mm-hmm. everyone's guards up all the time, it's not right. productive. Yep. Absolutely. I also just think that it's such a countercultural message because it's just not how we exist and not how it's not how the Romans existed and it's not how we exist today. And I just it, it's reminiscent to me of certain things that God said in the law to Moses of like he wanted the Israelites to live such a different lifestyle that people were attracted and drawn into it. And I think that living at peace in a world that prizes itself on how chaotic it can be sometimes really does show the real heart of God. And if we can be the ones that have this real heart on display by, by being people of peace, I think that we can engage people in that conversation. Well, you think about how much money is made on people having strong differing opinions. Mm. You wouldn't if if everyone was at peace, which I understand world peace is this far fetched thing that really is not achievable. Right. But but news outlets, media outlets thrive. They make all of their money knowing that no one's ever going to be at you know people don't live peacefully. Right. You know, they always have strong opinions and they start you know having arguments and wars and all sorts of stuff. Like, like in a yeah. way, we want that. There, there's, there's part of us that kind of wants that unrest to happen, right? Because it's a, it's yep. a livelihood type thing in, in some, yep. for some people. Yep. Well, and energy and enthusiasm are, you know, they're, they're important too. But mm-hmm. let's direct it in the right direction. Yeah. Oh, the other one that sticks out to me is hard to do is to uh, ble- um, ask God to bless those who persecute you. Yes, oh. ask God to bless and not to curse. Yeah. Like I said, there's some cursing under our breath sometimes because that one person did that one thing just to annoy us. And we know that they just do we they just chose to do that just to annoy us. It's kind of like the when you um when you're about to have an argument with someone and the argument in your head with that person is way worse than the actual argument itself. Um, I think that's Definitely. what Paul's going against here. Yeah. In some ways. Um, but yeah, it's, it's almost impossible. It feels sometimes to, to ask for blessings on those who treat us poorly. Yep. I don't know how to do that to be completely honest. That's really hard. It is. It is not easy. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then there at the end, never take revenge and just let God's anger do it. Yeah, that's that's hard for me because I like to be the one that's in control. I like to be the one that's in charge. And, you know, if someone has done something to insult me personally, I want to let them know about that. And... Mm-hmm. Letting God's anger do it sometimes means that it's not going to happen because God's anger is more righteous than my, you know, than mine. Mm-hmm. New revised standard version. 
verse 11 is do not lag in zeal, but ardent in spirit. I like how the good news version, because that, read, read verse 11 from good news again. Yeah, go, work hard and do not be lazy. Serve the Lord with a heart of full devotion. Yeah, I like that one, that version much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, so it definitely kind of just cuts through the through the language and just says just says what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And why do you think that one is one that I find that interesting um, that Paul used that in this you know in his in his list here? Um, it's just it's it's different in my opinion. It's a lot different than the others. Sure. Uh, you know, that's really somewhat introspective. Yeah. Uh, where the others are more, you know, treating people well and and right. and don't do this to other people, you know that. So why do you think he included that here and why do you think he thinks that's so important? Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think that it speaks to um, the way of certain other Christians um, in that time, uh, because they expected Jesus to return tomorrow, like literally tomorrow, um, there was a certain belief out there that, they, that people didn't need to work hard, that they just didn't need to work. They didn't have to like earn money and buy stuff. And, you know, they were they were so far removed from actual life. And Paul's like, hey, like, this is still important. We still have got to make a living. You still have to work. You still have to do things. You still have to be involved in the life of the world. You know, like, it's the the idea of being so much kingdom good that we're of no earthly value. Um, there, There's a tension and there's a balance that has to be struck. And people, had, the pendulum had swung so far the other direction because of their hyper-realized um, eschatology. They just believed Jesus was coming back right now. And so nothing else matters other than just the return of christ and paul has to say no we still have to do stuff um you know and we can't just wait for jesus like that's not what we are that's not what we're called to do we're supposed to be serving god we're supposed to be doing things in the name of jesus to not to not lose sight of that um even though we're looking hopefully forward and and then paul is guilty of having a hyper-realized eschatology too because of the certain things that he says in certain places but this really does dig into this idea that there's still work to do, that there's still stuff that we have to do and that we have to stay engaged in the life of the world around us um, and, you know, serve the Lord with a heart full of devotion rather than just waiting for Jesus to do it. Sometimes being lazy is so easy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's 100% harder to do things than to not do things. Absolutely. <laughs> but yet, you know, it's that it's that it's that idea of the grind. It's that idea of, you know, going every day and making the right choices and doing the right things and, you know, having the right heart set and having the right mindset when we do those things. That serving with a heart that is full of devotion to God, that matters. That's important. That's who we're called to be. What's uh what's the next series? Yeah, so Sunday we're starting a new message series uh, based on the life of uh, Joseph from the Old Testament. Um, I have to kind of feel if feel that I need to specify that because when you say the life of Joseph, our minds are immediately drawn to Jesus's dad. Yep. 
Right. Yeah. Jesus, the <laughs> Joseph, the father of Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing a Google image search to like, what should I do for slides for this, this upcoming sermon series? Or what should I do for the newsletter article uh, that I'm putting in the newsletter this week about the new sermon series? And it's like, let's look for pictures of Joseph. And all of them were like nativity scenes, because what else is there going to be when it comes of to course. Joseph? So Joseph from the Old Testament, there was one before the father of Jesus um, in in the end of the book of Genesis that uh, becomes uh, the second most important person in the the entire uh, Egyptian nation, uh, which is pretty cool, uh, kind of a kind of a big thing. Um, But Joseph's life is one that is just so marked with near misses and um, just just all kinds of stumbling blocks. Um, you know, there are so many opportunities where things could have gone off the rails for Joseph. And so we're going to, we're going to dig into his life story and see how he lived a life of character, um, and, and, and also a life of grace, um, when, when those things would have been really easy to not extend. Um, you know, Joseph is, is put in positions where, you know, there's, there's blatant favoritism by his father and it just leads to this very weird family dynamic. And that's the, that's what we're going to dig into on Sunday. That's where we're going to start this sermon series because that's where the story starts in Genesis of just, you know, what, what happened? Why did things go so off course so fast? And like, where is his integrity in the midst of all of that? And how is God inspiring that in his life, even in this very first step? And so that'll be kind of where we focus our attention over the next couple of weeks, but specifically on Sunday is just the family dynamic that's present there at the very start of this story in Genesis 37. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the series. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us in this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in person at 10 a.m. at the church, uh, online, on YouTube, and then back here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.